Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, so it just turned 7 p.m. Um, for those of you that are not muted, if you could please mute yourselves, I would really appreciate it. Um, tonight, our guest speaker is Sheriff Michael Chitwood, and he will be speaking to us today about pedestrian crime and prevention. Um, if, when he is through, you have any questions, you can raise your hand and you will be acknowledged at that time. And of course, after he is done, we will also do one of our famous questions for you guys, for those who want to hang out and participate in that as well. But right now, without any further ado, I'm going to introduce Sheriff Michael Chitwood from Volusia County, Florida. Good evening. Yes, Miss Ma'am, good evening. It's an honor uh, to be invited to speak with everybody tonight. Um, I think COVID-19 has made all of our lives a little more challenging in uh, learning how to use technology. I normally do these uh, talks in person and and I enjoy meeting everyone, but Unfortunately, we can't do that. Um, my association with the American Council of the Blind began back in uh, 2006 when I became the police chief in Daytona Beach and worked closely with the Conklin Center and developed uh, what I believe to be lifelong friendships uh, with all of the folks associated uh, with the Conklin Center. In today's climate, Personal safety is really uh, paramount for all of us. And what we're seeing in law enforcement is crimes against persons, robbery, assaults, um, sexual assaults, and homicide in Volusia County are dropping or remaining the same. Crimes that that's I mean, when I say that, that's that's physical crimes. But when it comes to crimes such as fraud, using the Internet, um, you're losing your identity crime, crimes against the elderly, mortgage fraud, Medicare fraud. Those things are skyrocketing and they were on the uptick before COVID-19 and now with COVID-19. We have watched those things more than triple, uh, and, and, and quite frankly, law enforcement can't track it down. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you an anecdotal story about that. We had a young woman, 11 years old, young girl, run away from home, and her mom posted on Facebook asking for any information to help find her 11-year-old daughter. And if you find her, there's a reward please call this phone number. Well, some of the calls and text messages and emails that she got were telling her that her daughter's dead and they'll lead her to the body if they provide her with $5,000. Some were, uh, she's alive and I have her and you need to give us $10,000. And we got involved with the FBI. And of course, we didn't believe any of it. And there were scams that were coming in to this poor, distraught mother's phone from China, Russia, Nigeria, Iran, Iraq, Colombia. It was amazing. All of the 
these calls coming in that were all meant uh, to defraud the mom out of everything that she had. And what we did was we spent 200 bucks because she was, the mom was so convinced that one tip was so true that we convinced the person that, hey, look, I have to know this is true. We're going to give you $200 in gift cards. We're going to give you gift card numbers. And then when you give us tangible evidence, we'll pay you the rest of the money. And of course, we gave the $200 in gift cards and then the conversation ended. And when we tracked it, it was in Nigeria. So I, I think when you talk about personal safety, that's something you can't overlook is when you're on the computer, what's actually going on. So when it comes to physical safety and Patty's question was, if you're out walking around or you go to the store or whatever, and you feel that you're not safe, the best thing to do is go somewhere where there's a lot of people and call 911 and say, I'm visually impaired. I don't think something's right. And here's my location. And here's where I'm at. And let law enforcement come in and, and, and follow up on that. Um, because you do have to be aware of that, that on the, on the person side of it, there are people that want to act like good Samaritans and befriend you. And then they think that they, they, they want to take advantage of your disability. And we just arrested a, a, uh, a nurse earlier this week who stole $3,000. She was home health care and the family really liked her. The family really trusted her. And, you know, mom was a little older and she had some vision problems and hearing problems like we're all going to have or do have. And mom kept saying, she's stealing money from me. She's stealing money from me. Finally, the family put up some cameras in the house and, and guess what? Mom was telling the truth. Mom wasn't as bad as she was led to believe. And they caught her on camera and they were able to backtrack that she had stolen over $5,000 from her. You know, the, the home nurse had stolen $5,000 from her, her, her patient. So there's things that you have to trust your instincts on that if something isn't right, it's not right. Your instincts never lie to you. Uh, and, and, and you need to make sure you notify law enforcement uh, or somebody you really trust can, can get the story out there uh, because your personal safety isn't only walking down the street. It goes way beyond that. It goes to your identity, your bank account. Uh, your, like I said, there's Medicare fraud that goes on. There's mortgage insurance fraud. If, if they can think of a way to defraud you of your life savings, they're going to do it. You know, and when I use my favorite term, uh, there's a lot of scumbags, not only in Volusia County, not only in the United States of America, there's a lot of scumbags around the world that will do anything they can uh, to convince you to give them money. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, for me, I get a phone call about Social Security. Now, I'm not there yet, but I get a phone call, comes up with Washington, D.C. phone number. And they're like, hey, this is uh, the uh, Social Security Division of uh, Fraud. And we want to let you know that your Social Security number has been compromised. You need to call back to this number. Now, I know in law enforcement, that's not how this works. So I call the number. And, of course, it, it rings and leave a message. An investigator will get back to you. Your investigator is Detective Thomas, whatever. He'll call you back. So the guy calls me back, and of course, you can tell right away by his voice that he's, he's, he's got somebody with a heavy accent. 
And he goes on his spiel, you know, we need your date of birth and your social security number, need this, I need that. And of course, I responded with a profoundly laced response to him. And his response to me shocked me because he was calling from Saudi Arabia, as we were able to determine. And he spoke really good English. He knew a lot of curse words that I was surprised at. And basically, the conversation ended with death to America and death to you. So, you know, you gotta gotta be careful. And having said that, I think it's the best way to facilitate this conversation, Patty, is let's open it up for questions about different things. Well, I, I wanted to say, I wondered if you could touch upon how, you know, there's a lot of us that are out there with our canes, with our guide dogs, we're shopping, we're crossing parking lots, we're crossing streets. I wondered if you could touch on a few things um, in other words, how what can we do as citizens to make ourselves appear more confident and less approachable, whether it's I mean, I think body language has a lot to do with it. You know, the way we walk kind of thing. Can you touch on anything like that that would that would make us yeah, unapproachable? That is, yeah, that is a great question. And. Education is the key on how do we protect ourselves. You know, in today's day and age, I don't think a body camera for visually impaired folks is a bad thing. Body cameras today are pretty cheap and they, they, you can wear them on the lapel of your collar. You could wear them on your glasses and nobody will know that. And it, and it doesn't record on your body. It records somewhere safe. Um, and body language is another is another key. You always have to appear that you're confident and you know what you're doing and that you're not going to take any BS. And don't be afraid to say, even if you're not, I just want to let you know you're being recorded and I do not have the device on me, but it's in a secure location. So everything that you're saying to me and your physical description, it's all being recorded and there are other people monitoring me. So whether you do it or you don't do it, in today's world, most people are going to say, hmm, this is probably happening. Let me back off. The problem that visually impaired people have is people view people, uh, ignorant people, view people with disabilities as somehow being weak and easy targets. And, and that's where you have to fight back through technology, through confidence, um, and through knowing where you, what your surroundings are, you know, obviously, if you're in a very public place, the odds of something happening are very, very slim. If you're in an isolated area, things are a little bit different. I don't know if that makes any sense. Okay, does anybody have any questions that they would like to ask the sheriff? Please raise your hand. Patty, if I could jump back in there for a minute. In the beginning, I said something about education. <clears throat> to me, when we used to do the white cane walks, I didn't think there was a better educational tool than to get elected officials, community leaders. And I know you remember this. We were in Daytona. Instead of giving tickets to motorists who violated the white cane law, we would give them an option. You know, you can get a ticket or you can get out of the car and we're going to put a blindfold on you and try to cross Nova and Bevel and see how you do it. 
and give them a different sense, a perspective to see what it's like to be visually impaired. And I think that that program needs to be expanded immensely. It needs to be expanded to grade school, middle school, high school. It needs to be expanded in our home, our HOAs. People need to understand the law and they need to understand that it's everybody's responsibility to look out for other folks. And that because you're visually impaired doesn't mean you're stupid or you're an easy target. It means you're visually impaired and you're as intelligent or more intelligent than anybody else. And, and I think that that's, that's kind of a direction that we need to shift in that just as you would look for any look out for anybody else, when you see a visually impaired person, certain things should come to mind, you know, uh, crossing the street, who is standing around them, uh, the proper way to help guide somebody who's visually impaired across the street. Obviously, I learned you just don't grab somebody by their arm and rip them across the intersection. There is a way to approach a person. And, and most individuals will say, hey, I got this. Thanks for looking out. Right, right. And we do have some hands raised, so we're going to go ahead and acknowledge some of these folks. Kenny, I can, you can go ahead and unmute. Kenny, um, if you're on the PC, it's Alt-A to unmute. Did you say Kenny? Yes, there you are. Okay, no, I did not have my hand raised. If it was raised, it's an accident. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, Peggy Carpenter, unmute yourself, please. Hi, um, my question is... Um, I guess I, I've had a little concern at times about if someone comes and knocks on your door and says, you know, I'm with the sheriff's department or the police department, um, you know, I, I know that they would generally show their badge or their um, ID, but is there any way that um, as, a, as a visually impaired person, you can kind of verify that the person is for real or whatever? Um, Peggy, that is a brilliant question. And the answer to that is yes. Dial 911. Any law enforcement officer or any city agency, they're here to inspect your trees, they're here for water leak, they're here for electricity, they have to hold themselves out over radio. So if you call 911 and say, hey, I'm visually impaired, somebody's knocking at their door saying, they're from the sheriff's department or they're from, uh, you know, Deltona water department or, uh, you know, code enforcement from the land, the dispatcher will tell you, stand by, let me check. And they will then get back to you. So we, we try to impress that because especially with the storm, this new storm coming uh, and, the, and, the, and the tornadoes that touch down in the land and every other time we have a natural disaster, these predators come into neighborhoods and they have fake identification. Uh, they have a fake reason for being out there. And most people, whether they're visually impaired or not, allow them to come in. And my argument is you don't have to let anybody in. Say, stand by. Uh, I'm calling uh, the police to check on this. If they're, if they're really uh, who they say they are, they're going to stay in there. If they're not, they're going to flee. Okay, thank you. That's a great idea. Thank you. Peggy, that's a great question. Thank you. All right, next we have Eugene. Eugene, you want to unmute? Yeah, how are you doing? Very good, Eugene. How are you tonight? 
I'm pretty good. Uh, question, what do you feel on the deal of uh, fighting back? You know, if somebody grabs you, uh, resist uh, or to, uh, to not resist. Eugene, I'm going to tell you an anecdotal story, and I think you'll know my answer in this. Many, many years ago when I was a detective, when I was actually a lieutenant, a special investigative unit in Philadelphia, a young, um, beautiful and brilliant woman went out for a job. She was a medical student and she was a, uh, she was a, uh, exchange student from South Korea. She went out for a job on a very popular path in Philadelphia and she never returned home and her family called us and we searched for days and days and days and days. And eventually her body was found about, 50 yards off of this very popular biking, jogging, and walking trail. And she had been uh, sexually assaulted and brutally murdered. What was interesting from the autopsy was she never fought back. The DNA matched a serial rapist in the general vicinity. For some reason, the Philadelphia Police Department never let that out till this poor, uh, Rebecca Park was her name, I'll never forget it. Uh, uh, and I believe in my heart, and I say this all the time, when I go to self-defense classes, if you cooperate with your attacker or you in some way acquiesce, you might as well consider yourself dead. You might as well, if you're, if, if God forbid, God forbid, if they're going to kill you, you might as well fight, scream, holler, and bring as much attention as you can to that attack. Hopefully somebody will hear you or see you, or in some cases, the attacker may decide that, you know what, this isn't worth it. I thought this was going to be easy. So my, my, my position is three things, fight, fight, fight. And the next question is, what do you consider uh, about uh, carrying uh, either a stun gun or a pepper gel? I think that's an excellent idea. And I would like I encourage anybody who wants to carry a stun gun, mace, or a firearm is to learn how to use it. Most importantly, learn how to retain it. Because the last thing you want to do is pull something out that can be then taken from you and used against you. So that that's the most important thing is, is to learn how to do those things. I'm all for them. And that's really great questions about personal safety. Yeah, I, the only reason I brought these up, I'm a retired deputy sheriff myself. <laughs> but that, I didn't figure anybody else may have brought them up, so I figured I'd bring them up and get you. So, you team, where did you retire from? I retired from Pinellas County. Oh, wow, okay. I, uh, I yeah. have a great rapport with your sheriff there, Bob Goyateri. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Okay. So. Thank, thank you, Eugene. Thank you for your service, for, Eugene. All right, thank you. Thank you for those questions, Eugene. Leslie no Brown, go ahead and unmute yourself. Yeah, you talking about talking earlier in their little you know presentation how that people that are blind are so always perceived of being weak, and I always kind of wondered that myself. But situation is, I'm visually impaired, high partial, you know, twenty two hundred. So it's like I could see pretty much, you know, like get away around the trees and stuff, but hard for me to read, you know, small print or see stuff far away from me. And I do use IK. Uh, use a white cane, but mostly for identification purposes. But I'm six foot, four and a half, and weigh like 250, 220 pounds. And I always wonder, you know, whether the 215, 20 pounds and six foot, six foot, four and a half inches in height, whether that does help counteract the fact that I'm blind or the fact that I'm blind totally, you know, 
takes away all perception, you know, of, you know, of strength of being the six foot four and a half and 220 pounds. You know, that's what I kind of like to determine. Yeah, Leslie, that's a great question. The problem is most of the people that we're dealing with out on the street, for some reason, they have no compassion. They have no empathy. They're looking for an easy target. And, and my, this is, again, my opinion. Anybody could disagree with it. I think that if they see somebody and they think they're visually impaired, they're in a wheelchair, you know, they live by themselves and they're older in life, that, hey, this is an easy mark. Uh, but in your case, uh, I would think that a, a hard strike or fighting for your life is going to deter what they thought would be an easy pickings, an easy robbery, an easy way to defraud somebody, an easy way to do whatever. Because most most bad guys uh, don't really want to fight back. They're looking for an easy way to, to grab a buck. And if somebody, and we see it all the time, we see women in their 80s and 90s coming out of Walmart, somebody tries to steal their purse, and that 80 or 90-year-old woman just digs her heels in and beats the crap out of the guy, and he runs away. So <laughs> that's why I, I, and I hate to use the term, stand your ground, God forbid, and fight like like there's no tomorrow. And, and your size and everything else, I think, would, would deter somebody. But the people who, who are going to commit crimes, they're not thinking like we're thinking. And that's what we have to think like in return, that if something happens, we have to think like they're thinking. They think that we're an easy target. Well, you know what? I think you're an easy target for attacking me. Okay, but I like to know, you know, a blind means an easy target, but would my size actually counteract that perception that I'm an easy target? Yeah, Leslie, it could. It could, but it goes back and to... Of course, it depends on the individual assailant. I got you. I understand. Exactly. That's what it's going to come down to. I mean, you've got somebody strung out on meth or, you know, some other drug that needs money quickly to get high again. Exactly. You know, they don't stop when we have a gun and we're telling them, drop the knife, drop the knife, drop the knife, because they, they, yeah, they are yeah. just so yeah. out of their mind. So you just don't know who you're coming up against. Okay, but and also the fact is, I have taken self defense courses and learned self defense moves. So I did. I have taken you know self defense training before. So, so Leslie, let me ask you a question. If anybody on this call wanted to do that, how would you recommend that they do that? I mean, self defense. Yeah, for for visually impaired folks. The self defense course I have was done through our commission, the Oregon Commission for the Blind. There was like an O and M instructor that got hooked up with this guy that owns this dojo in town that does small circle jiu-jitsu. And through him, he's able, after talking with this uh, sensei of this dojo, they made arrangements and developed this course called Sight to Self-Defense. And so just contact Commission for the Blind. They'll hook you up with this guy, and they let you come to his dojo, and you can learn self-defense moves. I mean, that's how it does. I don't know how you can do it other places. There's something out there called One Touch, you know, that's kind of like more national scale that they're trying to kind of get spread around. But I might say contact a local commission for the blind and try to work out from there. But my, my the courses i taken were strictly local in the Portland area, so I, I really don't know. But I say, yes. Uh, first, I say, you know, if you get self-defense, go for it. Learn it. But another thing that kind of concerns me about Blind people known with self-defense skills. Sometimes I might kind of concern for the assailant because he's tacking like it thinks a weak target, and before he know it, you know he's like 
on the ground of internal injuries, multiple broken ribs, you know, I mean, like he wasn't even prepared to fight back. And he totally, I mean, there is that, that danger for the assailant because they don't expect it. And it could be a situation where it's too late, you know, when they try to do the, make the moves, all of a sudden they like really hurt. And maybe, you know, the blind person could get like overdue use of force or something, you know, because you're freaking out and you use it. And the guy, you know, just was expecting maybe he was trying to get away and didn't notice. I mean, there's that concern too for me about it. But then again, you know, protect your fool self and everybody has a right to do it. Amen. Let, Let me answer your question. You know, every Christmas I put on a simple self-defense class for women. And I think Eugene will appreciate me asking this question because I've never done that in my 15 years here as police chief and sheriff. And I know you said, I think you said contact the commission for the blind because I would love to offer a self-defense class for visually impaired people here in Volusia County. I have the, I could do transportation. I I have the, the format. What do you think? Okay, contact Oregon Commission for the Blind. The people you need to talk to are Mike Umada and Stan Miller. Stan Miller okay. owns the dojo. Mike Umada is the OM instructor at the Oregon Commission for the Blind that kind of got hooked up with the Stan Miller. I mean, those are my contacts. And find what a contact route you could, could, could pursue, call Oregon Commission for the Blind, and ask for information about sightless self-defense. And also mm-hmm. not the name, Mike Umada and Stan Miller. Thank I mean, you, Leslie, for that. We're going to have to move on because we have a lot of hands raised. Hey, Patty, real quick, what do you think about doing that in Volusia County? I think that would be an excellent idea, and I think that uh, that is something that we, you and I together can check out and see if we can find anything. And I would also recommend that anybody in, in any other state, um, if you're interested in protecting yourself and learning self-defense, certainly contact your state agency, whether it's a Commission for the Blind or Division of Blind Services, um, and perhaps they can steer you in the right direction. All right, Patty, we have our charge for 2021. We're going to make sure we do that. There you go. Thank you, sir. Great idea. Anna Lee, thank you for waiting so patiently. No problem. Hello, hello. And this is great. Thank you so much for this presentation to both of you, Pat, for arranging it. And I didn't come on right at 7 o'clock because I was answering a text message. But uh, (laughs) thank you, sir, for 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 presenting this program and i was going to add to it uh for those in your areas the the vision impaired persons uh check in with your local uh vision rehab agency to see if they are doing anything and i'm going to propose that to the agency that i work for here in Tavares. but i was going to say that um the i like the idea of the body cameras that i've got to look into that um, not that I travel a whole lot, but it, it would be good to have. But also I was going to say that be when you're walking outside, beware of your surroundings. Listen, uh, for those who are totally blind, listen to sounds around you. And, and if you have low vision, uh, look around and just also use your ears. Um, but also I know I, I've been mugged twice. And I know sometimes it's a crime of opportunity. You're there, the the criminal is there, and 
you're the target. You're the first one they come up on. And um, the second time I screamed like hell and nobody came running out of their house. But fortunately, I, I resisted. And as he was pulling on my shoulder bag, my house keys fle- fell out of the or went flying out of the bag. So I was thankful that at least I got my house keys and they wouldn't have access to my home. But uh, um, yes, beware. Oh, go ahead, Pat. No, I was just going to say, I think those are all great ideas. I think we all need to remain aware always of our surroundings. I mean, even as sighted people need to do that. So that's definitely a very good suggestion, Emily. I was also going to say that you'd be surprised how, how many people, sighted people, and probably especially criminals who are half out of their minds on drugs, have no clue what the white cane represents, that your vision impaired. They just see a person there and think, oh, I'll try to get something off of this person. So um, I don't know if you can say that that they they attacked you because of because you're blind, but I'm I find that most people have no clue what the the cane represents. Sometimes, Adelaide just brought up a huge point, and we say this to everybody: don't carry your valuables in your purse. Nope. If you can, use a credit card. Put your cash in your pocket. Your keys in your pocket. So that if they get your purse, you don't lose lose everything that you've had. Annalee, that's an excellent point. We always stress that, especially during the holidays. I I have learned I now carry my keys in my pocket. I don't carry them in my purse. And I I try not to carry anything big. Now with the, my iPhone, I carry that in a pouch that's that's on my body and uh, try try not to carry a lot of stuff with me. Very, very good pointers, Annalie. Thank you very much. We're going to move on to Eddie G. Please unmute yourself. Good evening. And Patty, thank you for, for this, this opportunity here with this meeting. And sir, thank you for your time and your service and all veterans today. I appreciate it. Um, my question is regarding, you noted the, regarding uh, a firearm potentially. Do we qualify, potentially qualify for CCP having a visual impairment or we would, would be barred from that? Eddie, that's a wonderful question. And I think that that would be best answered by what different states require uh, in Florida, it's a CCW, Concealed uh, concealed Weapons Permit. Um, so you have to take a physical before you're able to fire your firearm. And obviously, vision and hearing play into that. So I think different states would have different parameters to do that. So I think it would be best to check what the physical requirements are to possess a firearm for your safety. Okay, and, and along that lines for even just for home protection and particularly with recent times, uh, the thought has crossed my mind even to have something in the house. And I've heard of a I've, I've never touched a weapon, uh, but I've heard of buckshots and something to at least to get, give a little more advantage. Is that something you would you would think I should consider? I should just give a consider a better alarm system. <laughs> Yeah, Eddie, I, I would consider both a better alarm system and having a concealed, having a weapon inside your home is completely different than carrying a weapon out on the street. So the, the, the requirements to have a concealed weapons permit 
are different than you having a shotgun with buckshot in it uh, inside your house. Completely different. And you are completely, nobody can stop you from having a gun in your home. Okay. Thank you, sir. Again, appreciate your time. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate the uh, Veterans Day comment. My pleasure. All right. Thank you, Eddie. Next, we have Sheila. You may unmute yourself, please. Sheila Gunn, if you'd like to unmute yourself. Okay, so far she's not unmuting. I'm coming. I just, uh, (laughs) the minute I started to fill up a teacup, you called on me. (laughs) And then my phone wouldn't wouldn't (laughs) respond. I'm sorry I'm late, first of all. I didn't even see this immediately on the... uh, the thing and so I got here late didn't even know it was happening until after it started um, just remember if there's a gun involved they can grab it just as easily as you can um, but I I, um, the reason I originally raised my hand was to say that um, I came in when you guys were talking about um, getting commissions for the blind to, to do classes like this um, I'm in California, and we have the San Francisco Lighthouse for the Blind. We also have um, the East Bay um, the East Bay Center for the Blind. I was like, what is their official name? Um, and so if you are in more of an urban area, you might find that you have a blind center that might also be of assistance in doing something like this. And now that we all know how to use Zoom... Um, we don't have to be limited by state or county or any of that anymore. So that's another thing to consider. Very good point. Thank Sheila, you, you, bring up, you bring up really good points. And the fact that everybody's on Zoom, I think that everything we talked about up to this point, uh, you folks have a voting base. And in Zoom, to be able to connect all 50 states, not just worrying about counties or cities, there's a powerful movement here to make sure that things aren't being done, can be done. That's true. Okay. Karen M. Unmute yourself, please. Okay. Um, yes, I would like to thank the sheriffs for their service and anyone else who has served in the military or in law enforcement. Um, I've been visually impaired all my life and about maybe 20 or more years ago, I was mugged. Now, it, I had a feeling something was wrong. And really, that's the, the one thing that we all need to pay attention to. I was mentioned, but I'm mentioning again. If you feel something is weird or wrong, you know, pay attention to that. Because I knew something was wrong, and I just pay, didn't pay attention. The other saving grace in the um, incident was that I had my keys in my pocket. Gary, wait, Gary, wait for Gary's real estate. Remind me. Button. Um, so, so that that was also mentioned, but I'm mentioning it again. Um, so, so that, and I was wondering since we have the ACB programming. Um, I'm not sure how much self-defense can be taught remotely or by ear 
but I'm wondering if that's something that could be considered. And the other thing I wanted to mention is, um, even though I've been had low vision all my life, I've just recently started using a, an identity cane sometimes. And for some reason, it has given me more confidence um, in walking and, and hopefully in how I present myself. So, Kevin, great points. I've got a quick question for you. You talk like me. Where are you from? I'm from New York City. Philadelphia, New York. We we, we had that same accent. I knew it as soon as I heard you. (laughs) I don't have an accent. They have an accent. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I keep saying, Karen. They tell me I'm wrong. Oh, okay. Well, we know the truth. Um, (laughs) Do you have any comments on what I said? I think you're excellent. Everything you said is is a home run. All excellent points, especially using Zoom uh, in today's day and age, not being able to get together and go physically hands-on with uh, uh, defensive defensive tactics training, so to speak. Do you think it can be done um, remotely like that, especially with people who can't really see what's on the screen? A, a lot of our training, Karen, that's going on right now, even though we can see there's a lot of, you know, we're not visually impaired in law enforcement. A lot of what we're doing is is through this forum of listening and doing the best that I could do to get my message out to my deputies because we're not able to do it. So I think there's a lot of pointers we can do. And then once COVID-19 passes, which it will, we could then do applicational training as well. So... Well, it's not my place, but maybe you can help think of a program for ACB. I think all of us together can do that. I know here in Volusia County, I have some money that when I talk to Patty, we can probably work together and devise a plan that maybe we can roll out nationally, at least to get us through the pandemic. Yes. Yes, that would be great. And I agree. I think that would be an excellent idea. Thank you so much for your for your comments. You're welcome. Um, all right, 808. You may unmute yourself, please. 808070. Please unmute. Okay, you're still not unmuted. Hello, can you, you can you hear me now? Oh, there you go. There you go. Yes, ma'am. Go okay, ahead. I just I just wanted to make a couple of comments uh, on the gentleman who spoke a little while ago. Um, there was a gentleman, I think it was up in Oregon. He's a totally blind guy. And he actually went through the uh, firearms course up there. Uh, and they tested him just like they would test anybody else. And he did get a concealed carry permit. So it can be done. Uh, and the other thing that I wanted to comment on what he said in regards to shotgun. If you have a shotgun in your house, the one thing as a blind person that you have to think about, once you fire that shotgun, you're not going to be able to hear anything. So as a blind person, once you shut your hearing off, you are done. So that's something you have to think about firing a shotgun in your house. That, that was all I had to say. Hey, 808, uh, that was really profound what you just had to say. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 you know, as a blind person, you're thinking, okay, I got a shotgun. This is great defense. I can fire it. But you are not going to be able to hear your your ears are going to be ringing. You can't hear, and you have shut yourself down at that point. So if you fire the shotgun and you miss, you're not going to be able to hear that person or that 
assailant moving around or whatever, you need to keep your hearing clear. And a shotgun is not going to do that. Great points. All right. Well, don't have to worry about me with a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to move on to iPad. Can you unmute, please? I I just had just a couple of comments. Um, uh, Just a couple of things that I do that I think are going to help or do help prevent a bad situation. Um, I was in the Marine Corps, late 70s, early 80s, uh, and obviously got some training, but I was full-sighted. And now that uh, I've got very little sight left in my right eye, but even at that, I've got the white cane training and all of that. But I also keep a, uh, a whistle on me, and uh, when I walk, even though my hips aren't the, what they used to be, I do not take shortcuts. I always stay on the the busy streets, the straight and narrow. Even if they're hurting, I'll sit and rest or something, but I will not take shortcuts. It just, I just think it's just going to put myself in a worse situation. So I just stay away from shortcuts. So that's all I've got. iPad, I want to thank you for your service to our country. Thank you. You Folks like you is why we're the greatest nation in the world. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank you very much for that. Jail, you may unmute. Hello. Um, so I really, really like this. This is extremely informative. Um, but I have a few comments and suggestions of things that I've personally done. And I also do have a quick question after. Um, so a few things that I do is, one, I don't wear shoulder bags. I wear a crossbody. Jail, are you there or we lose you? Hopefully she'll pop back on here. Jail, she's still unmuted. Hmm. Jail? Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and move on to Sheila Gunn, and if Jail comes back, we'll get her back in here. But I think for the moment, she is not with us any longer. Sheila? When one has a slow internet connection, one can pop out like that. And if you're running your video, turn it off and you'll save yourself a lot of bandwidth. Um, I, uh, the first thing I wanted to say is off the top of my head, I don't know the name of this person, but um, I mentioned the Lighthouse for the Blind and, and they've had a self-defense class. And that was in a time when people could physically get in and, and do physical things, but I think a lot of these helpful hints are, are things that one can do without that. Um, and um, another helpful hint is, well, there's two of them. Good idea about the whistle, by the way. Um, there's a few things you should know about 911. If you call 911 and you don't talk, or if you call 911 and you hang up, a vehicle will show up at your house, guaranteed, but here's a big fat caveat. Most of us nowadays have cell phones, and few of us have landlines anymore. Unless you've got Wi-Fi calling set up and you've got the address put in, um, cell phone calls go through the CHP, and they don't know where you are. But I heard something very interesting one time on ACB radio, and I it was I was like between events. I don't even know. It was a little PSA, I guess. And it starts out, and you hear this woman, and she sounds like she's ordering pizza. But what you hear is, 
911, what's your emergency? And she says, hi, I'd like to order a pizza. And she goes through the whole thing and she says her address. And the guy says, this is 911. Do you have an emergency? And all she said was yes. And he then said, is someone with you and you can't talk freely? And she says, that's right. And it was so profound to me. I don't know where ACB got it, but I swear I think everyone should know that because there are actually ways. uh, In some cases, you can text 911, but there are um, caveats to that, and I've never tried, so I don't know how they work. Um, But you can call 911 and, uh, hi, Mom, I'm home. Yeah, I'm on 3345 19th Street. I made that up. And, you know... Yeah, I'm or or pretend like you're calling a taxi or something, you know. And so if you think you got to call 911, be clever. I'm done. Thanks. Sheila, I got to tell you, that is excellent. What you just said Uh, here in Volusia County, we do have text 911 and we do have enhanced tracking for cell phones. It's probably accurate 80 percent of the time. But if you're out of the general city area and you're out more in a rural area, it's not as effective because they can't pinpoint you. But everything you said is absolutely spot on and people should know all that. All right. Very good. Excellent ideas. That's that's great. I never thought about those. All right. I see that Jail has rejoined us. So I'm going to go ahead um, and let her go and finish what she had started earlier. So go ahead. Can you an email? Yes, we can. Go oh, ahead. perfect. Okay, so my first suggestion is wear a crossbody bag. Um, men do wear the, them these days because of all the technology we all carry around in chargers. So crossbody, tote bags, messengers are great. Um, they're also, I have a few of these that I have on my body and on my most of my bags. Personal alert systems. Yank on it, and it'll flash, and it'll make the noisiest noise you could ever make louder than screaming. Um, And another thing, too, is one thing that I learned years and years ago um, was to look like you're going somewhere. Even if you have no clue where you're going, look like you're going somewhere and develop that sixth sense of what's going on around you. It took me no time at all really personally to to work on that sixth sense because I do spend do go places by myself and I'm also hard of hearing and if I ever suspect that I'm being followed I immediately get on the phone with with um with somebody and they um you know I'm just telling hey I think I'm being followed what do you think and all that good stuff so um I have a lot more suggestions but I do have a question um, you said earlier something about you know advocating for the, the cane laws um, in in our local areas. How can we go about doing that for you know doing that in schools um, and HOA in different places like that? Yeah, Jay, that, that's that's fantastic because I know here in Volusia County, working with Patty, we we wanted to introduce white cane laws into high schools in particular driver's education, and we wanted to push the state driver's license bureaus to make those questions about the manda- about the white cane law mandatory when you want to take your driver's license test. Because if we stop people and they're like, white cane law, what the heck is that? Never heard of it. 
because mm-hmm. nobody teaches it. And that's where I think the visually impaired folks as a block can try to push that agenda nationally. You know, every high school in America has driver's education training. Why isn't that mandated? Every state in this in this country gives a driver's license test. Why aren't those questions part of that curriculum? So I don't know, and you folks know much better than I, is it better to push both at a national level and a state level, or do you try to do it individually through states? Just my opinion, I think if you push at a national level, uh, you'll get that trickle-down effect. Personally, I think that starting locally is a really good idea, and that way you have more traction in a way. Um, like, oh, it's working locally, then see, just make it grow. That's just my thinking, personally. Yeah, we haven't had much, and Patty, jump in here. We haven't had much success in Volusia County trying to get that into the schools and onto the driver's license test. Yes, I personally think that's the way to go as well. They need to have the question on the license, on the driver's license test. And also during the classes, when they when the kids are in there taking their driver's ed, it's very important for them to learn that. Um, okay, Leslie Brown, you can go ahead and unmute. Okay, here's a question that kind of ran off on me earlier when I was up here before, but my question is defense of another person, because everybody talks about self-defense, self-defense, defending yourself. But how does it work? And do we have the right? Let's say we're walking with somebody and that person gets attacked. Do we have the right to intervene to take what, it, what we need to do to stop the assault and get that other person help? I mean, how does it work the, uh, when I'm defending somebody else? Leslie, great question. And under the standard ground law, not only do you have the right to protect yourself, you have the right to protect others. And I'm there speaking under right. Florida law now. And under Florida law, there also is the Good Samaritan Act, where if you are summoned to help somebody, oh. and God forbid it turns into a deadly confrontation, you're in, in most cases, you are covered under those two acts in Florida, Stand Your Ground and Good Samaritan. Okay, but under the Good Samaritan Act, that person has a summon. You just cannot just jump in and start defending. It all depends on what you're witnessing. You know, you're driving down the street and, you know, you witness somebody being pummeled or shot or stabbed and you're armed and you intervene on the half behalf of the victim and you have to use deadly force in Florida, you're going to fall under stand your ground and, and Good Samaritan okay. Right, uh, thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. That was a great question. Penny, go ahead and unmute yourself. I'm sorry, Kenny, not Penny. Kenny. Yeah, I probably screwed that up when I renamed him, so it's not it's not probably Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a phone number and you raised your hand. Hi, this is Melody from Columbus. I have a 614 number. I don't know if... Yeah, okay. That's you, honey. Okay, okay. Um, well, I am a totally blind 35-year-old woman. I stand 4'10 a half, 4'11". I, my best friend has a traumatic brain injury. I speak of her a lot on these calls. We are both, you know, we look vulnerable. We are not um, 
we don't look menacing. You know, we both, she just survived quintuple bypass surgery. I just survived pneumonia and COVID. We haven't fully come back from those things, and we couldn't defend ourselves, I don't think, if we tried, but we would fight to the death for each other. We took a walk to McDonald's the other night in kind of an unsafe area because we wanted to get something to eat, and we wanted to walk together. We needed exercise. And my hackles were up. I kept, I kept thinking, you know, what if something happens to us? What are we going to do? We're by ourselves. Um, her judgment is always not the best. I also have mental illness, and she can see. She was the one that guided me. I cannot. Um, the white cane malls didn't seem to um, really apply because a car pulled very close to us, and I could hear it. And she said, oh, you know, they're, they're being a jerk, and they're not looking out for what they're doing. But it it just really scared me. And I'm also a sex trauma survivor from over 30 years ago when I was very little. So I, I would love some self-defense classes, but we're, we're kind of medically not up to par right now, and it scares me that... You know, why can't we just go out and take a walk and have a good time and go get something to eat or drink and, and you know, be okay and be independent about it? Yeah, Melody, they're, they're great questions. And I think I think you did get some suggestions tonight, uh, you know, body camera, some kind of a, a, a alert system that can make a lot of noise uh, when you're out there. Of course, maybe you have to take an Uber to McDonald's. To McDonald's. I don't know, but... All I can tell you is there are evil people in the world. There will always be evil people in the world, and none of us know how to really stop that. You should be able to walk to McDonald's and walk home and not have anybody accost you. Unfortunately, that's not the reality of the world we live in. That is so true. It really is. If you can if you can ride rather than walk, then that's the way to do it. All right, we have a few more hands here. Um, Gwendolyn, go ahead and unmute. Hi, thank you. Um, thank you for for doing this tonight. Um, I, I, you know, my question. I, hopefully, I'll phrase this right. So, I sometimes use my white cane, but for a couple of years now, I've had a guide dog. And anybody that knows Labrador Retrievers knows that um, they are very friendly. <laughs> and I remember somebody joking in my class at GDB that you know. Well, you know, do you think your dog, uh, your previous guide would have bit anybody? And she's like, no, probably not. Because she was in a situation where somebody actually came up to her. And I guess part of my question is, you know, when you're using a guide dog, you know, you're holding on to them. You know, cane I can drop. And I mean, my cousin was murdered years ago. Uh, she was raped and kidnapped and murdered and and. Unfortunately, we didn't know where she was for three months. And so my hackles have always been up. I've got good instincts, but I guess it's a different world with a guide dog. And now that I live in an area that is uh, busier, but also has, you know, a lot of homeless people and other people that sometimes you're not sure of, I, I guess I'm just wondering if anybody has any tips for for that with when you're using a guide dog and not your cane because i mean you want to keep a hold of him i guess if you can but on the other hand he's gonna want to lick anybody and i guess it's just you know something i never thought of before i moved where i am now you know and that might be another topic for another time um because i think that's very interesting right now we have i think just about a minute and we do have a couple other hands raised so um, if, if anybody would like to um, comment, let me see. 
We have Leslie Brown that has his hand raised again. Leslie, did you have anything that you wanted to contribute to what you just asked? Yes, I do have something to contribute to the call because the thing again is about telephone, cell phone, phones over voice over IP hooked up to the computer concerning 911. I think it's called E911 is the one thing to call it. There's somewhere where you can enter in your address that would show on the 911, you know, operator's computer. So I need to check with that with your cell phone company, with the software using, you know, to make the phone calls on the computer, whatever. Look for like E911, 911. Look for a place to enter the address and make sure you get your address entered there. So if you ever use 911, it would show up for the operators. Just a, a, another tip. Thank you. That, yeah, Leslie, Patty, Leslie's got a great point there. If you let your local jurisdiction know, they can plug all your information to your address. So, you know, they would, could know your medical condition, visually impaired, I have diabetes, I live alone. So that if a call comes out, the responding units will know by what's called your premise history. That's a really good point, Leslie. I think so, too, and that's something I know I, I didn't know about. All right. Um, let's see. Sheila, really quickly. Unmute. Um, get involved in your community emergency response team. That's CERT. Um, most uh, most urban areas have them. Um, and get get involved in um, basic emergency preparedness understanding. Wear bright clothing. Maybe a flashlight. Um, there are. Headlights you can get, literal headlights that bikers wear that have a band on them that you just kind of put around your head and you have a flashlight right in the middle of your forehead. Um, whistles. Just learn about how to be prepared. Get yourself to a state of more confidence by understanding how to do things. And then... It's, it's not that you become super person or something and then all of a sudden have all the strength or ability, but if you know what to do and if you know how to do it, and another thing is um, you can put emergency contacts in your phone and there are um, apps that literally when you're going somewhere, you can turn this thing on and your emergency buddies can track you. And if you call them or text them before you're leaving for a place and you say, I'm going to McDonald's, I should be there in, you know, 20 minutes. And if you don't hear from me that I've arrived by half an hour, check up on me. And everyone, every time I'm traveling, especially long distances, there are a couple of people that I always say, okay, I'm at this point, I'm at that point, I'm at this point. And if anything happens to me and I don't get to the next point, then they know where I left off and they will find me. Great, great information, Sheila. Thank you so very much. Karen M. Unmute. And also there's a light that you can attach to your cane to like a little flashlight. Um, I've been involved with my local community council with the police department. And I know we were always informed that if someone wants your bag or your wallet, just give it to them. Um, it's not worth fighting over. What do you think about that, Sheriff? You know, Karen, it's a personal decision. My my example I used was that if you're going to be drug off or they want to force you to leave the area that you're in, then you got to fight like all hell. 
If, right. if they just say, give me your purse, that's a lot different than somebody forcing you, hey, you're coming with me, in which case you're probably not going to come back. So you make a good, you make a great point about if somebody just comes up and says, give me your bag, I won't hurt you. That's one thing. But if they want to move you, get in the car, follow me, come with me, then you have to fight like there's no tomorrow. Right. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank, Thank you. Well. Kenny, you may unmute. That's Melody again. I didn't rename her. Okay, I'm sorry. Your hand was okay. raised. <laughs> okay. Um, if you have an iPhone or Apple watching iOS device, you can hit the power button five times or the side button on your Apple watch if you enable your emergency SOS automatic call. And it will connect to 911 immediately and also text your emergency contacts. And you can also ask Siri or use your Maps app and find where you are. Surprise, I'm sounding techie. Very good. Thank you for that. 12-12, please unmute. Just to let you know you are four minutes after her. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine, hon. I just wanted to let you know if you know. I'm not sure. If I'm 212 area code. Is that 12-12 for I'm you? I'm sorry. I, I, I was counting the one. It is 212. Sorry about okay. that. Okay. Thanks. I'm Maria in New York. Um, we at Guide Dog Users Inc. sell an um, rechargeable, um, accessible beacon light that you can attach to your guide dog's harness, to your cane, <clears throat> or I wear mine around my neck. Um, and it's audible. It's got all sorts of features. Um, I want to say once <clears throat> there was a gentleman that used to um, bother me quite frequently on the streets and elsewhere, and I couldn't identify him. And once I was coming home from the grocery store with groceries, and he had said something at one point, and I couldn't do anything. And when I got back to my apartment building, I came in the lobby, and I just felt a bad vibe still around me and just said to my doorman, is there somebody here in the lobby with me? And this guy was right behind me as if he was with me, but very quiet and was trying to sneak in um, mm. to the elevator with me. And the doorman got him out. So sometimes you just, you need to speak up um, yes. if, if you really feel creepy. And you need and to uh, follow that feeling that you're feeling. Yeah. Okay. And another time I was heading home from the lighthouse reading service. I was on subway double-edged platform and uh, very calm. I had a very heavy sheepskin winter jacket on and somebody came, <clears throat> bumped into me yelling and I thought I walked into a fight and just stepped back. But then this person really came at me um, yelling about my having a dog on the platform and it just happened that there was somebody else that I wasn't with, visually impaired, also returning from the lighthouse who was ex-Marine. And he nailed the guy. Um, Wonderful. And we got the, um, the transit police in, and uh, we did uh, um, get a, a little further with that. So. Thank you so very much for sharing that. I want to thank everybody who joined this call this evening very much for coming in. I want to thank Sheriff Chitwood for his time and, and his pointers he gave us. And I just want to say thank you to everybody. I hope you enjoyed the call and 
happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there as well.